0: To the book of Colossians, it's in your New Testament. We're going to be in chapter 1. So we're kicking off our, our new series this month called Reboot. You guys see the uh, visuals? You come through the door here. You guys see that? You guys like that? Um reboot, rediscovering our purpose. There's uh if you didn't notice, there's computer code uh that's kind of written in behind that. And the computer code basically what it says is, is making much of Jesus, reaching people with the gospel, discipling people in the gospel, and equipping people to share the gospel. And so that's kind of what that computer code is. And so I had this, this made last night, uh, yesterday afternoon at Office Max, and um, and it was, uh, there was this guy there working. his name was Brian. And uh, I'm looking around to make sure Brian's not here, because I invited him to church <laughs> before I tell this story. But uh, uh, I was telling him, I said, did you notice that was computer code? He said, yeah, I figured it out uh, afterwards. And I said, you know what it says? And he's like, he's like no. And I said, well, and I, I explained to him what it said. And I, and I said, do you know what the gospel is? And he said, no, I don't. And I said, well, and then I proceeded to tell him what the gospel was. It's the good news. Of what Jesus Christ has done for us, that we are sinners, that we're separated from God, and that Jesus came and He paid the price for our sins, and we have been rescued, we've been reconciled back to God, and now we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And He's like, no, I never heard that before. And I asked, so we talked for a few more minutes there, and then I asked him where he lived. He said, off Harrogate Road. I said, it's perfect because it's near our church. And uh, anyway, so if you go into Office Max, you see Brian, give him a hard time for not being here this morning, first of all. Uh, but, anyways, I just, uh, so, anyways, reboot. Uh, that, that's, our, that's our series for this month. I'm excited about it. And so, let's go ahead and, and pray, and, uh, and then we'll get started here. Well, Father God, we just thank you so much for uh, the time of worship that we've had. God, you are uh, worthy, you are uh, the Prince of Peace, and uh, mighty God, and awesome, and powerful. And we thank you uh, for your love for us. We thank you for sending Jesus uh, to die in our place. And we just pray now that as we break open your word, as we read through a portion of Colossians, uh, God, that we would just see just how beautiful Jesus is. God, that he would be exalted and lifted high. That your spirit would just fill this place and move through here. God, convict us where we need to be convicted may we see our need for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So how many of you guys made New Year's resolutions? Anybody? Nobody? Are you serious? Nobody here made New Year's resolutions? Oh my goodness. How many of us have put on a few pounds since Thanksgiving? Uh, now, now I see the hands. I can, I can raise two of my hands. So I, and listen, you, you, I, I didn't mean for you to answer that question, but that's all way that you did. But if you think about it, though, it's not fair the way they put the two best eating holidays back-to-back, right? I mean, Thanksgiving and Christmas back-to-back, that's just not fair. It's like the, the deck is stacked against us. Can you imagine if they would have placed Easter in between Thanksgiving and Christmas? Right, we would have been hurting then, right? Right. But, but see, that's the great thing about, new, about a new year, is that you can start over. That's what resolutions are about, a promise to do an act of self-improvement. It's a way for us to to kind of refocus and start fresh. The only problem with resolutions is, and I'm assuming that's why you guys didn't make them, is because we don't tend to keep them, right? We don't tend to keep them. Anybody, uh, we we always tend to break them very quickly. So, at Chester Christian Church this new year, we're looking to have more than a resolution. We are looking to recalibrate how we look at church. And we're asking the question, How do we look at our role in God's great story of redemption as a church and individually? What is our purpose in this great story? And that's what this series reboot is all about. We've all experienced times when our our computer has frozen up or or crashed or just seems to be sluggish. You guys ever click like on a website and you got that little spinning circle up there? It's like spinning spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. You know, it's like you want to pull your hair out, you know, and what do you have to do? You have to usually reboot, right? You have to reboot your computer, right? Now, the good news for us is that God gave us this great reference book called the Bible that we can go to and find our purpose. So during this series, we will be talking about what we believe our purpose, what God is calling us to be about here at Chester Christian Church, and most importantly, how you can be a part of this purpose. So I'm going to go ahead and just let the cat out of the bag and share with you what we believe our purpose at Chester Christian Church is, all right? It's on the front of your program. If you have your program, go ahead and pull that out. And this is what we believe that God is calling us to be, all right? We believe our purpose is to simply make much of Jesus. That's first and foremost. We want to be about making much of Jesus. By reaching people with the gospel, discipling people in the gospel, and equipping people to share the gospel. Listen, the the gospel is the message. It's about Jesus. So starting today, I want to take the next four weeks and simply break it down and just dream with you. I would love for us to just, each Sunday, man, just sit in here and just dream about the possibilities of what God can do through this church and through you individually in our community. You guys good with that? You guys like to dream? And yeah, I'm talking about God-sized dreams. And I want us to do that. I want us to dream about the possibilities. So recalibrating how we think about church and our personal ministry might take change. Just simply setting a resolution doesn't bring about change. You need inspiration. Something to keep you motivated to look towards when you are tired and you need a boost. Our inspiration, our message is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the story of our redemption. So today we will focus on making much of Jesus. Making much of Jesus, what does that mean and what does that look like? What does it mean to make much of Jesus? What does it look like to make much of Jesus in our church and in our lives individually? I had a professor in Bible college that made this statement and it stuck with me ever since. And I was actually researching it back this, uh, this past week and come to find out there's a book that has been recently written by this title and I uh, actually ordered it and got it uh, this past Friday. So if you want to order it, it's a great book. But this is what he said. He said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything, meaning that Jesus is everything. It's not Jesus plus your good works. It's not Jesus plus some other religion or belief. It's not Jesus plus moralism. It's not Jesus plus rule following. It's Jesus plus nothing. Now now this equation, it, it illuminates the uniqueness of Jesus. That Jesus stands alone. His uniqueness outshines every other life, every other creed, Every other religion, every other philosophy, and his uniqueness makes Jesus exclusive, which means there is no one, absolutely no one like Jesus. David Crowder has a, a song that says, "No one like you. There is no one like. you want me to bust it out for you? I will. All right. There is no one like Jesus. No other religion matters. There's no other way to the Father. And there is no way to be reconciled to God but through Jesus Christ. Because He is so much greater than any other thing. Jesus stands alone. He's exclusive. But here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. is not only is He exclusive, but Jesus is also inclusive. And what I mean is that no matter what your religion, no matter what your race, no matter what your gender, no matter what your accomplishments, no matter how broken or sinful you've been, no matter what you did yesterday, no matter what you did this morning, no one, no one needs to be left out. No one. Because all who seek will find. All who knock, the door will be opened. And Jesus invites you to himself today, and no one needs to be excluded. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? see, making much of Jesus is about the gospel. That's our message. And in its simplest form, the gospel simply means good news. But what good news? What is the good news? That Jesus came to live among us? We just came out of Christmas, the holiday seasons, and we talked about how Jesus came to earth. He pursued us. He put on flesh. Yes, that is part of the good news. That Jesus died on the cross. That sometimes we just isolate the gospel to just... That Jesus died and you should believe in Jesus out of guilt because he gave his life for you? Yes, that's part of the gospel. He did die for us. That's awesome. And it is important. But that's just part of the gospel. That that, that Jesus resurrected and ascended into heaven? Yes, that's part of the gospel. You see, for so long I used to believe that the gospel was simply something that you must believe in order to be saved. And that is true. You must believe in the gospel. You must believe in Jesus in order to be saved. But that's not the whole thing. I love what Tim Keller says. Tim Keller is a pastor up in New York City. And he says this. He says, the gospel is not simply the ABCs of Christianity, but it is the A to Z, A to Z of Christianity. In other words, we will never, ever graduate from the gospel. We just continue to grow deeper and deeper and deeper into the gospel. And so, and so I, I saw this this past week, and I wanted to share it with you guys. It's a test. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, it's a test to see if, uh, if you feel like you've graduated from the gospel, okay? And so you guys want to take a test this morning? All right? It's a two-part test, okay? I felt it, and uh, so it just it reminds me that I need to continue to pursue the gospel, okay? So, so here it is, test number one. If you feel like that you have graduated from the gospel, if, gospel, if you feel like you've mastered this thing, then this is what it means for you. It means all manipulation is gone from your life. There is zero guilt, shame, and anxiety left in your heart. You don't live in the fear of mankind at all, and you don't find any validation or self-worth in success, and you don't lose any worth in failure. You have peace in the midst of raging chaos of what, it, what life is, and you constantly have joy in darkness because Jesus is our hope. Has anybody mastered that yet? Anybody? No? Alright, so if those things are true about you, then you can move on from the gospel, right? But, but I can tell you that none of that's true about me. None of that's true about me. So I needed to, to devote my whole life to Jesus and the gospel and what he's done. The second part of that test, if you've passed the first one, the second part of that test is this. You actively and constantly are applying the transforming work of Jesus into the life of your neighbors, coworkers, and family, and you're seeing people come to know Jesus regularly, because the greatness of Jesus is impossible to deny. And when they see Jesus in you, they can't wait to find wholeness in him. Is that, is that, uh, anybody pass that second part of the test? No? No? So I think, I think it's, I think it's evident then that we need to, to be in the gospel. That we need to grow deeper and deeper in the gospel. See, the gospel isn't simply the power to save us. It's the power of God to change us once we're saved. And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel. So here, here is the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. The gospel is Jesus. And if you want to know the good news, you need to know the person, the heart, the actions, the nature, and the essence of who Jesus is. That's why we want to devote ourselves to the greatness of Jesus. That's why we want to continually point people to Jesus. Jesus. That's why here at Chester Christian Church, we want to be about making much of Jesus. I guess it gets me fired up, man. Does it get you guys excited? I want to make much of Jesus. I love Colossians. This is the reason I chose Colossians out of this this sermon this morning is because Colossians is considered to be the most Christ-centered book in the Bible. And the passage that we're going to read this morning is actually the most Christ-centered passage in the Bible. So the reason the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, writes this little letter to the church in Colossae was because the church was beginning to kind of drift away from the truth of who Jesus was. They had heard the gospel, they were, they were living out the gospel, but then what they began to do is they began to, uh, to take other religions, and they say, well, I like what this religion over here says about this, so I'm going to take part of this religion and, and, and kind of combine it over here with Jesus and Oh, I like what it says over here too, so I'm going to take this over here and and I'll kind of combine it with Jesus as well. And so what they were doing is they were kind of having a hodgepodge of, of Christianity that really wasn't about Jesus at all. And so Paul writes this letter to the Colossian church to show them that Christ is supreme, that Jesus is unique, that he is the only one, and that's what he's going to do, and that's what he does. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up uh, Colossians chapter 1. You should be there already. We're going to start in verse 9, and I'm going to read down through, I think it's verse 18, 19, 20. All right, so you guys ready? Are we awake? All right, let's do it. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What I want us to do is take a second, and if you, have, if you don't mind writing in your Bible, or, uh, or highlighting in your Bible, go ahead and take a pen out, and I want us to just kind of take a look at the action words in this text. I want us to look at what's been accomplished and who do we attribute them to. All right, so you guys ready? Starting in verse 11, it says, His glorious might. Whose glorious might? His. His glorious might. Verse 12, it says, The Father has qualified you. Verse 13, He has rescued us. I love that word rescue. Can I stop here for a second? I want that word rescue to become a part of our everyday vocabulary. You know why I like that word so much? Because it explains exactly what has been done for us. We have been rescued. We have been rescued from ourselves. We have been rescued from the penalty of sin because we've all fallen short of God's glory. We've all sinned. We've all rebelled against God. And Jesus has rescued us from death. He has rescued us from ourselves. And he has restored us back to God. I love that word. Start using that word all the time. Just go around the house saying rescue. We've been rescued. All right? You guys do that for this week. Just rescue. You guys remember Pete Wee Herman's Playhouse? You guys remember the word of the day? And every time they said it, everybody all like hollered and screamed. Do that this week in your house. Rescue is the word of the week. And so every time you say that word, just bust out in like excitement. People will think you're crazy, but that's all right. Like... Verse 14. In Jesus we have redemption. Verse 16. In Jesus, all things, all things were created. Verse 17, in Jesus, all things hold together. Verse 18, Jesus is the head of the church. Verse 19, all fullness dwells in Jesus. And then verse 20, through Jesus we've been reconciled. Also, Jesus made peace through His blood. So so what stands out in that that text? What stands out? What what does Paul make very clear? very clear in this passage. He makes it makes very clear that there is absolutely nothing about who? Us. There's nothing about us. Nothing is about our effort. Nothing here that I've been able to accomplish. It's all about Jesus. Now, now it's one thing to know this, and it's another thing to, to practice this for two reasons. First, our culture has trained and taught us to be very independent. Everything that we have, whether it's our money or our cars or our houses or children, we believe it's of our own doing. It's because I've worked hard for it. It's because I've earned it. I've entitled to it. Secondly, we struggle with this because we all have a sinful nature that wants to rebel against a good and gracious God. And we want to be the center. We want to be the point. I want to be the point. I want to be the center. And yet this text says definitively that nothing is about you or me. We're not the point. And for too long, Aaron Hoback has been about making much of me. For too long, I have been the point. For too long, I have been the center. And if I'm going to be about making much of Jesus, it's going to require me to make a shift of getting me out of the middle and putting Jesus in the center. Do you guys agree? All right. So let's take a a look here and see who Jesus is so that we may rightly respond to him. I want us to see who Jesus is so that we may rightly respond to him. Starting back in verse 15, we're just going to take a look look at a couple verses here, and, uh, and I want you to see this. Verse 15, Paul says, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. This is great news, because both the Old and New Testament make it clear that no one has ever seen God. And so Paul is saying that the very nature and character of God have been perfectly revealed in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the invisible God. He has become visible through Jesus So so you want to know what God is like? You want to know what God, how He behaves, how He feels, how He responds? The good news is we don't have to speculate about it. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder because we can find out by looking at studying the life of Jesus. We can open up our Bibles and read through the Gospels and see that Jesus had compassion on people. We can look and see the stories about Jesus loving people and being gracious towards people and he was also stern with people. And so we know what God is like by studying who Jesus is and what he did. Hebrews 1.3 says something very similar as to what uh, Paul says in Colossians. It says that Jesus uh, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. If you want to know who God is, Jesus is the key. Now, now there are hints and clues about who God is in other places. There are, there are hints in our creation, right? You can look at creation and see the beauty of creation. And, and just by looking at creation, you can say, hey, there's a God. There's a God out there. You can look around us and see that. Um, Romans 1 is going to talk about that every person has a moral capacity or conscience, this internal gauge that knows what's right and wrong. But ultimately, if you want to know God, you've got to know Jesus. You've got to know Jesus. Study the Gospels. Look at the life of Jesus. And then he says, and then he says Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. This doesn't mean that Jesus was a created person. And in fact, this term firstborn is used 130 times in the Old Testament. And it's almost always used to describe status and power. And so the point is that Jesus wasn't created but that he preceded creation and he is in charge over all creation. It means he has authority over everything. Like, like you and I can't control the weather, you know? Like we, we can't do that. We can't go outside and tell it to, uh, for the sun to shine. Although Jesus was on a boat one day with his disciples and a storm came up. And the disciples come to Jesus and ask Jesus, Hey, we're going to die. And Jesus gets up and what does he do? Stop. And the storm stops. Jesus has control over all creation. Jesus has always been, he always will be. He is preexistent. Paul continues in verse 16. He says, For in him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So I love this. I love this. Paul says a couple of things about Jesus here. He says, one is that he is the creator of all things, and then he defines all things in two ways. He says, on earth, and invisible, and then in heaven, and invisible. So, So think about it this way, all right? The steak burrito that I am going to go and get at Chipotle at lunch today, I am going to be able to physically hold that burrito in my hand, I am going to be able to uh, taste that burrito and savor the flavor and the juices and all that good stuff, and it's just, going to, be all, it's just it's going to be awesome. I'm going to be able to touch it and feel it, smell it, taste it. And that's the point that Paul makes here is everything that you can smell, touch, taste, feel, whatever, Jesus made it. Jesus made it. He's the creator of all those things. Not only did he create everything on earth that is visible, but he created everything that is invisible, so things that we can't see. I mean, there's a spiritual realm out there, angels and demons that we can't see. Think about science for a minute. Think about gravity. We can't see gravity, but we know it's there, right? And yet, Jesus created all of it. He created all of it. Think about things beyond our universe. And all things were created through him and for him, meaning that ultimately everything is going to bring God glory. It's all about bringing glory. And then I love verse 17. It says, In Jesus all things hold together. This is one of my favorite verses. By the way, my very first sermon I ever preached uh, in Bible college was from this text. It was from this text. It was exciting. Anyways. uh, In Jesus all things hold together. So Christ not only brought all things into being, but he He now holds them together. It reminds me of the song. You guys, know this? you guys ever seen the song growing up? It says, he's got the whole world. And I tell you, you, guys got a treat today. I sang twice in service, man. You guys are, you guys are lucky. All right. Uh, I love that song. I love that song. But the idea here is that Jesus is, the actual word here in the Greek is that he's a superglue. That, that, that Jesus is the superglue of all that exists. Of all that exists. Think about this for a second. Okay? How many of you guys would agree that sometimes life gets chaotic? Yes. I mean, it just, work gets crazy. Home life can get crazy. Kids can get plumb crazy, right? And all the things that you have going on, man, it just, sometimes you feel like things are out of control, does it not? You feel like, man, you feel like sometimes that the world is just falling around, falling down around you. And, and, and what I want to encourage you with this morning is, is it. that that Jesus holds everything together. That when life seems chaotic, that when life seems out of control, Jesus is still holding it together. You know how I know this? Because there was a day in Jesus' life when things looked very, very bleak. There was a day in Jesus' life when he went to the cross and he was nailed down To the cross, he was beaten. A crown of thorns was put on his head. And I I guarantee you that to Jesus' followers that day, everything looked very out of control. Everything looked so chaotic. And as Jesus is, is there on the cross, and as they are mocking him, as they are beating him, as they are making fun of him, and as he's suffering, I guarantee you, man, that that day it looked like things were out of control. And yet, in that moment, when things looked bleak, when Jesus looked like he was out of control, he was still holding everything together. Isn't that awesome? That gets me chills. He was still holding it together. Mm, mm. Paul says that Jesus has made peace through his blood shed on the cross. Mm. That's who Jesus is. That's what he's done for us. So what I'd like for us to do now is to uh, celebrate what Jesus has done through communion. And after we do communion, I'm going to come back up for just a few minutes And talk about what our response to Jesus is. This is who Jesus is. This is what he's done. And after we celebrate Jesus through communion, as we worship him through communion, then I want to come back up and just quickly share with you what our response to Jesus is. Communion is simply about us remembering what Christ did for us on the cross. He The bread represents his body that was broken and the juice represents his blood that was shed. And as the men come forward and as they pass the bread and the juice, I just want to encourage you to think about that. Think about the fact that even in the midst of all that, Jesus still held everything together. He was still in control. And no matter what you got going on in your life, no matter how dim things seem or how bleak it is, He still has you in the palm of his hand. He still holds you. He still has everything together. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful passage. We thank you for just the reminder of how awesome Jesus is and how supreme he is in everything. And God, we just pray now that as we uh, come and as we remember the sacrifice he made for us, that we would just... Take time to celebrate that and to just repent, Father. And that may we just continue to uh, grow and pursue you. It's in Jesus' name, amen.